You're listening to The Open Podcasts. The fact that I'd been up there and given myself chances before to win The Open, I knew that I had the chance. But as years were going by and I was getting older, the harsh reality of A, not attaining my dream and B, missing out on The Open Championship, the greatest tournament of all, was starting to cross my mind. There and for an eagle, for an eagle, a runaway ball, runaway ball, yes, the second eagle of the week at number seven, Big D's two ahead. In the game of golf, a number of players seemed on a collision course with success from the very beginning. Greats such as Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, Seve Ballesteros and Gary Player all won the Open at a young age, fulfilling their potential. Another of those players who seemed inexorably linked to the claret jug was Darren Clark. A world-class player for much of the late 1990s and 2000s, with a Lynx background, Clark appeared destined to win golf's original championship, but could never quite seal the deal in the Open or any other major. That was until, in the most unlikely of fashions, when it appeared all hope was lost for Clark to ever achieve his ultimate dream, one of golf's greatest fairy tale victories occurred on the links of Royal St. George's in 2011. There, Clark achieved the unthinkable. Perhaps it was written in the stars all along. Were my chances diminishing? Yes, they were diminishing. But did I write myself off? No. Playing like a winner, a champion. This is Tales of the Open. This is the story of Darren Clark. Clark was born in County Tyrone in Northern Ireland in 1968, and with a keen interest in sports from a young age, it didn't take long for him to find unbridled joy at his local golf course in Dungannon, shortly after he started caddying for his father. Well, I went to, to school and I um, I played everything, you know, I played rugby, played football, my grandfather played football for Ireland with all one football team, my dad played Irish League soccer and stuff, so... I grew up predominantly playing soccer up until I was about 9, 10, 11 and then got into my rugby as well and then into my golf after that. But I played tennis, I played squash, I did everything. Any sports I could get into, I got into at school. Well, my dad started playing and um, I started caddying for him. I think mum probably wanted me out of the house, so dad uh, would play on Tuesdays and Saturdays and Sundays and I'd go out and start caddying for him from when I was first, when I was aged about nine. Uh, that was the first time I got out there and I thought, after caring for him for a couple of years, I thought I should have a go at this. This, this looks quite like a bit of fun. So um, I took the game up uh, when I was 11. I played at Dungan Golf Club. During the summer, I played 72 holes a day. I just couldn't get away. I couldn't leave it alone. I just I had the bug. Uh, and I wanted to play and I wanted to get better. So, you know, it was a case of all the, my other sports that I'd played going through school were more predominantly team sports. And um, to then find a sport where it was me against the golf course, it was more individual, um, obviously really, really appealed to me. And um, I just I wanted to play as much as I could. Practice facilities weren't weren't that great at the club, so it, it was a case of playing as many holes as I could. And, um, you know, I just I, I couldn't put the clubs down. I wanted to play all the time. And making my first pars, making my first birdies, making my first eagles, and then maybe making a double in the hole the, the next day, that was the whole thing that that, um, that got me into it. it, it it tested me, and it wasn't a game that uh, obviously you could perfect, even though at, early, at that early stage I, I thought I could, uh, like any young kid. But it was just it was the challenge of the game, the challenge of the, of, of, of the sport, and I, I had an inner desire just to improve and get better. Clark found himself drawn to the game and soon to Lynx Golf as he became enamoured with golf's original major and a special open championship venue just down the road. Lynx golf, of course, uh, almost ideal coming from Port Rush that he plays so often. Soon, dreams of winning the Open would follow. Oh, I don't know. It was, it was Peter Alice. It's <laughs> Gary Clark there, one under, and, uh, and he's heading back in uh, nice form. And this for a two. My golly, he didn't have to give that a rattle. <laughs> <laughs> He's having a little smile to himself. He delighted the hole got in the way. He may have knocked it out of shape. Maybe oval now. You know, listening to his his tones and when the open was on, um, you know, it used to be used to be on the TV for 
how long was it on for? First thing in the morning until late at night, and I wouldn't miss a shot. I'd just sit in front of the television and watch everybody. You know, Jack Nicholas, Seve, Guy Player, all the guys. I just, when any golf came on the television, I wanted to watch it, but even more so when it was the Open, because the Open is the biggest and the best tournament in the world. And to watch all these great players playing on some of the best links golf courses in the world, and, uh, you know, with high winds and, and the courses playing as difficult as, as they were, you know, it was something that was just appealed to me. started playing my golf uh, at Dungana Golf Club, which was a, a Parkland golf course. But from I was about 12 or 13, when I started really getting into it, my dad would, uh, our friends from Dungana, would, we would drive up here to Port Rush on a Friday afternoon. There was cheaper green fees on a, on a, on a Friday after 4 p.m. So we'd drive up and, um, you know, I just... I, got, I had an affinity to links as soon as I got here and as soon as I started playing that every Friday. And, um, you know, you go from Parkland to playing a Lynx golf course, it's a completely different format of the game. It's, it's totally, totally different. And whilst it was difficult enough at Dungannon, this was even more difficult. This was and is the ultimate test of golf. And because of that, obviously, as you've said, they're watching the Open. I would be the young kid on the putting green, um, standing there at this putts for the open and whatever. If I'd lipped out, then I'd convince myself, right, I'm in a playoff now, I've got to hold the next one. And, and the the term above all, the Open Championship was the one that I always wanted to win. It was it's been a dream to win it. Um, from when I first got into the game and my handicap started coming down where it became reasonably apparent that, that I could be pretty good at the game. The Open Championship was always the, the one tournament that I wanted to win. It was the reason why I went and practised every day. It was the reason why I would go out and hit balls here and 40, 50 mile an hour winds and rain coming in. Um, and the whole reason behind that was to try and get my hands on, on the Clark Jug. With an ultimate goal in mind, Clark improved rapidly, attending Wake Forest University after his junior career and turning professional in 1990. From there, it wouldn't take long before Clark had initial success on tour. In fact, qualifying for his first Open Championship just a year later in 1991. I turned pro at the end of August 1990. I had a pretty successful amateur career. Um, I was playing off plus four just before I turned professional. The gulf between top amateur golf and top professional golf is much bigger than it would appear. It's, It's... it's a different game, and I think one of the things that struck me most was how good a score the pros were able to shoot even when they're having a slight off day, and that comes down to the amount of time that they practice and how they structure their practice, um, predominantly from 100 yards and in, and that's why we scramble and, and, and turn bad days into reasonable days, so hopefully the next day will be better and then we'll make the most of that. So Chubby sent me in my merry way here, there and everywhere. Darren Clark and Chubby Chandler, former player and now player-manager, I think I won my first tournament in end of 1993 in a place called Nocca Lazout in Belgium. Great golf course, almost links as well, um, very close to the ocean. And there was a great field there. It was um, Seve was there, Bernard Langer was there, Woozy was there, Nick Faldo was there. And it was a very, very strong field. And um, I played with Seve in the last round and he was coughing and spluttering as he did and, and stuff. Um, but I managed to hold on and win the tournament, and I think that was get my first win under my belt um, at an early stage of my career was good. You know, you see that happening more frequently now with the guys coming out on tour because they're more prepared now than the young kids when they come out on tour. You know, I felt at, when I first came out on tour, it was almost as if you had to serve an apprenticeship. Thankfully, um, I managed to get my win early because I didn't want to be on tour for ten years or seven years before I won a tournament, and. Uh, you know, that was obviously first professional tournament victory was a highlight. And then moved on from there and, and started getting involved in Ryder Cups and playing in those and winning more tournaments and winning around the world. He's having a wonderful year, Aaron Clark. He's a, a Ryder Cup player, that to look forward to. You know, it was a, it was a great foundation for me. But in saying that, the only one, the one that I look forward to, biggest tournament that I ever that I look forward to year in year out was the Open Championship. I think from a turn pro in the end of uh, 1990, I think I've only missed one Open Championship. I think at Royal Berkeley when Padraig won, I think that's the only one that I've missed. I quali- had to qualify for lots of them, and uh, did so. 
but it was the one on my calendar that I look forward to more than anything else. By 1997, Clark had won two professional titles and had played in six straight Open Championships, coming off his best finish of tied 11th the previous year. However, the Dungannon native was to have his first real shot at Open Glory and at achieving his dream in the 126th Open at Royal Troon. Scene that can only mean the Open Championship. Royal Troon this morning with play in the 126th Open already underway. So what history will be written in the next four days? Now the mighty hitter, Darren Clark. And this is second shot at the 11th and that's okay. That's okay, it's a pretty tough hole this par four. Many have been short playing two woods to get up. With a good start in South Ayrshire, including a tremendous pot on the famous 11th hole, Clark signed for a four under par 67, leaving him tied with Jim Furyk and two shots clear of the rest of the field. The old stone dyke that runs along the side of the 11th, and Darren Clark coming right across the green. He's got to start it off to his right, very difficult putt to judge. It's a lovely approach. I suppose you say it was a little better than an approach. He wasn't lagging it out, he just popped it in there and goes to four under within a shot of fury. But out early on Friday, Clark really began to put himself in an enviable position. So it's glorious weather and a good leaderboard for Darren Clark. Five shots clear of uh, Jim Furyk. They shared the overnight lead, but Furyk has dropped a shot. And Darren Clark so far is four under par for his second round. Now the 14th and uh, here's Darren Clark, the leader by three. Thought he was in the bunker with the tee shot. This is a par three, but there he was almost on the green. Oh, what a lucky putt. So he goes further ahead, eight under now. Well, that should be a big spot in face. Let's have it, there it is. Oh, the marvellous thing to hold a putt from off the green. Now, Darren Clark at the 16th. Oh, another one! <laughs> well, after his tee shot, I uh, thought, well, there'd be no birdie for him here, but a lovely approach, and then that master putt. There he is at nine under, leading by four. Darren Clark, 66, the lowest round of the championship thus far. At nine under, that's such a very bold target. I wonder if we're going to see someone from Northern Ireland carry off the old planet dragon Sunday night. Too early to say but that's very good playing indeed. Had the benefit of the benign uh, weather, very gentle this morning, and took full advantage of it, although he had three drop strokes. The blue numbers are where he dropped a stroke. 32, 34, that's a very good round indeed from Darren Clark. A second round of 66 put him out in front by two, and he showed no signs of slowing down early on Saturday. With huge crowds out in support of Clark, a first birdie came at the third hole, following a brilliant approach. From the middle of the fairway, Darren Clark over the bunker, same shot that faced Fred Couples. Bite now. Beautifully played. Well struck. That's the difference between coming out of the rough. Justin Leonard and Chris Bly on the fairway. Well, that's a simple little putt. Look at that, Carl. Very nice three. And of course, it's 50 years since Fred Daly, a fellow Northern Irishman from Belfast, won this championship at Royal Liverpool, or Hoylake, as it's more affectionately known. He could probably do it again. And by the time the then 29-year-old had reached the par 3-8, the postage stamp, he faced a pot to take a four-shot lead once more and spread-eagle the field. He is another golden chance for the leader. And this for a two. Good putt. Good putt. Oh, 
a sensation. Sends him to 13 under. Oh. Look at all those Ulstermen there. Absolutely joyous. <laughs> Tremendous effort thus far for Darren Clark. Playing like a winner. A champion. But from there, Clark's 1997 challenge would stall. Wayward drives would see Clark end the day at 9-under for the championship, losing the four shots he gained early on in round three. And a closing bogey on the 18th would leave the Ulsterman two strokes behind leader Jesper Parnovic. While Parnovic was enjoying his round in the sun, the second round leader Darren Clark had moved to 12-under. But his driving throughout the round had been erratic and he was having to scramble too often to save par. This for 70. Oh, par 71, a six-stroke swing. It's a bit hard when you do a par 71 in the third round and, and lose that much ground, but he's well, just dented his confidence a bit. He has much to talk about tonight, but, uh, well, if that's the bad round, Darren, you're in good shape. There you see, 32 out and 39 home. While Clark remained in touch throughout Sunday, playing with Parnovic in the final group, he couldn't quite get close enough to the lead, particularly after a troublesome double bogey on his second hole of the day with a lost ball off the tee. Darren Clark at the second. Oh, well, well, well. What happened there? That's gone away over there somewhere. Although it had looked for long periods as if this could be Clark's week, a closing birdie was instead only to tie Parnovic for second, as Justin Leonard went clear to win the title by three. Uh, Darren Clark, this to finish with a birdie three. He's got it. And now this could result in a tie for second. With Jesper, that four, two birdies in the final three. I'd also like to congratulate Jesper and Darren. They're both wonderful players. Uh, they both deserve to win this tournament. I think it was just, it happened to be my week, and, and, uh, but I, I'm sure that both these players will win many more tournaments and many more majors, and uh, you know, I just feel fortunate to have been able to do what I did against two great players. At that stage, it was more about sort of getting, getting, your, getting yourself into contention and majors and stuff, and that was really the first one that I got myself in with a chance to win. Following Royal Troon, Clark took the next step in becoming one of the world's very best, as the Ulsterman claimed eight European Tour titles in the following five years, including two World Golf Championships. The first of those two world titles, the WGC Match Play in 2000, saw Clark dispatch none other than Tiger Woods 4-3 and three in the final to claim the title. Probably beating Tiger in, in the world match play at La Costa. Uh, you know, we're uh, one of the best players that's ever played the game. And um, we were also, and still are, very good friends. And um, it was, that, was, that was a good day. He had an off day and I had a good day. Later that year in the Open, however, Clark could not stop Woods as the American phenom fulfilled his major championship destiny with completion of the Grand Slam at St. Andrews. And the champion golfer for the year, Tiger Woods. But still, Clark seemed to be moving closer to his own slice of history, recording his second Open Top 10 at the old course. And he would give himself another great chance to lift the claret jug the following year at Royal Lytham and St. Anne's. Northern Ireland's Darren Clark, the pre-championship selection of many knowledgeable observers, keeps the home fires burning. Clark follows his first round 70 with a controlled 69. Good play over his first two rounds in the 130th Open put Clark in the top 10, and a third round of 69 left the 33-year-old just one stroke off the lead, albeit amongst one of the most clustered final round leaderboards in major championship history. Yes, Darren Clark. Currently one shot off the lead at five under par. As such, 
Although Clark would put together a solid round, boosted by an eagle on his sixth hole, he could not get close enough to runaway leader David Duval on a difficult day to go low. The closest he got was two shots back with two holes to play. Teeing off behind him, Duval, so straight and long off the tee from the outset, found deep trouble that would give cause for concern. Clark, meanwhile, two holes ahead, had a chance to apply the pressure. But a double bogey on the 71st hole of the championship sealed his fate with a tie for third. But like Jimenez, on the 14th tee, he was unable to locate the fairway when it really mattered. And his ball ran and ran and ran, eventually finding a bunker. My caddy to this day is kicking himself. That bunker off that tee, 298 into the wind. I had a low, strong draw that pitched on a downslope that ran 40 yards into the wind. It was never reaching that bunker, ever, ever, ever. But it was obviously pumped up and, you know, it got there when it should never have got there. But that's links, that's, that's what happens. But I hit the shot and I was happy with the shot that I hit. I hit it too well. <laughs> if I miss hit it, I'd have been fine, but I didn't. <laughs> Clark's powers of recovery at the 17th did not match that of the previous hole from trouble to even more trouble. And by the time he missed a short part up at the green, Clark had recorded a very expensive double bogey six, ending his challenge and relegating him to a gallant share of third, his best finish since occupying a tie for second at Royal Troon in 1997. Despite a sandy grave, in the end it was perhaps the missed putts that cost Clark the most. At Lytham I played fantastic from Tilly Green. I couldn't I could not have played any better. Impossible to play any better. And I didn't make anything in the Greens. From Tilly Green, that was the best I've probably ever played and I probably ever will play. Um, but on the Greens um, I got a little bit lost. Um, but the golf course was, was wonderful. But then again, you take a look at your winner, David Duval. Did he deserve to win a major? Of course he did. He was the world number one player. He deserved to win the Open Championship. So, it swings and rounds, but it, it is, it happens for a reason. Sometimes it's not always apparent, but I think sometimes the game rewards all the effort. Though it was clear to all that Clark had the ball striking ability, honed and cultivated on the links of Royal Port Rush to win the Open, the County Tyrone man openly admitted he lacked one crucial characteristic in that quest. Patience. Because I wanted it so badly. Because I wanted it so much. As I mentioned earlier, there, it was the one tournament that I looked forward to more than anything else all year. Probably too much so. I, I, I wanted to win it so badly. Because of that, I let myself get drawn into uh, situations where I would get annoyed with the odd bad bounce here and there, and then I would take that on to the next hole, and I wasn't able to uh, forget about it and move on. So um, I got in my own way. Patience was one problem, and perhaps so was inconsistency for the exceptionally talented Clark. I'd go from playing great to one week, and then so-so the next week and then play okay again and you know I've won quite a few tournaments around the world should have won more but my consistency was up and down and um, I don't think it was I don't think it was much to do with my ball striking I think it was more to do with on the greens and my attitude on the greens and um, you know probably always being a bit of a streaky putter and um, when I putted well usually I won I've always been a bit of a perfectionist and, and, and strive to play as well as I possibly could. I've enjoyed my time away from the golf course. And, uh, you know, would I change any of that? Probably not. But I should have done an awful lot better. But there's guys that, that, that can be maybe more focused on exactly what they're doing. The likes of Sir Nick Faldo, for example. I mean, Sir Nick, all the way through his career, he was very, very focused on what he did. I couldn't do that because I needed to have a release. I needed to get away from golf and, and maybe go out and enjoy myself, have a couple of pints and just be the ordinary, normal guy and, and just enjoy myself. So I couldn't be focused on my golf 24-7. You know, that's not to say I didn't work hard. When I had tournaments, I would frequently be the first one on the range and the last one to leave it. But part of that, again, it was a bit of a cast 22 for me because I, I thought, I'm putting all this work in and I'm not getting any results back out again. 
So eventually it would lead to a little bit of frustration, a little bit of, uh, I'm going to the pub, I'm going to go and have a couple of pints and stuff. But, you know, that's just me. That's, that's the way I was and that'll probably never change. Subscribe to The Open's official YouTube channel to enjoy the best video content from golf's original championship, including official films dating back to 1970, full final rounds from past Opens, a range of compilations showcasing memorable moments, highlights from the 149th Open and much more. Subscribe today to make sure you don't miss a thing. Seemingly in his prime after the turn of the millennium, Clark's tied third finish at Lytham and tied second finish at Troon were his only top five finishes in majors by the end of 2005. But for the Clark family, tragedy would strike as so cruelly Darren's wife Heather fell ill with breast cancer before passing away in August 2006. Heather was diagnosed with breast cancer the first time and we followed the necessary steps, uh, what we were advised to do. She had a successful uh, mastectomy, everything was great. And then a couple of years later, um, we went to see the doctor when he came back and uh, he called us in and uh, your breast cancer has come back again as, as secondary breast cancer. And for any of the other people that have been through that, secondary breast cancer is a very devastating disease, as indeed is any form of cancer. But it came back and then it was a case of trying whatever um, medication that we could. When when Heather's secondary breast cancer cancer came back again, then it was the diagnosis was 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 not good. And uh, you know I would be away trying to play tournaments, and she would have hospital appointments that I couldn't go to. I wasn't there. Um, she was under different types of medications, and um, you know she was weak um, and and not doing very well. Yet I was away still trying to play and, and uh, you know, the kids at home. It was a very, very difficult, difficult, difficult time. And, uh, you know, her courage and her braveness um, through it all was inspiring. And she wanted me to go and play golf. She didn't want me to stay at home and, and um, you know, be around her whenever she wasn't herself. So there's times I'd, I'd uh, go and play and, and, you know, I'd be... My mind wasn't there. My mind was all over the place. But, you know, I, my kids are doing wonderful now. Um, do they miss her? Yeah, they probably do, but I've been very fortunate that I've met Alison and she's, um, she's, she's my wife now and she's a wonderful step, stepmother to the two kids and they love her to bits and, and you know, I count myself very fortunate, but you know, I had, um, Heather and I had some wonderful times and um, Heather's buried here in Port Rush, just, just up the, around, around the road there and on our, on our gravestone it says uh, a quote from Dana Reeves and it says, uh, don't be sad for what you've lost, smile for what you had. And that's, uh, you know, time is a healer. And, you know, I can look back at the good times now. Yes, there were difficult times, but I can look back fondly on the, on the good times. Clark's struggles to win the Open were put in perspective as he prioritised looking after his two children, bringing them back to his family and his hometown. In so doing, Clark was able to reconnect with his spiritual home, the links at Royal Port Rush. I will, well. After after Heather had passed away, we decided, I decided, right, it's time to move back home. We moved back home, came back here uh, to Portrush, and um, the boys are still there, and they're absolutely loving it. Certainly having them back here and seeing them happy again, enjoying themselves here, you know, with the support of uh, my whole family here. My parents are here, and, and my sister and husband, her two boys, see me as my two boys, they are here as well. So, you know, it was all getting the family back together again, and that certainly was massively beneficial, not just for my kids, but for myself as well. And then with the added bonus, as you just mentioned there, of having Rob being back here at Royal Port Rush, where I grew up playing uh, an awful lot of my golf, when I moved back living here, this is where I come and practice, this is where I came to practice every day, and this is where I still come to practice every day. And uh, when you don't play an awful lot of links golf, you, you sort of tend to, you never forget but it's, it's the more practice you have on it, the better you become. And for me to get back here and then get back on links, links again on, on, a, on a golf course as good as this um, was certainly massively beneficial. Although Clark had found renewed enthusiasm for the links of Royal Port Rush, it had become a possibility to him that his dream was slipping through his fingertips with each passing year. And the fact that I'd 
been up there and given myself chances before to win the Open, I knew that I had the chance. But as years were going by and I was getting older, the harsh reality of A, not attaining my dream and B, missing out on the Open Championship, the greatest tournament of all, was starting to cross my mind. Were my chances diminishing? Yes, they were diminishing. But did I write myself off? No. I always thought, if I have a good week, um, a decent week, I can contend for the Open Championship because having learnt it from such a young age and and again being back here, back here in Portrush, playing it day in, day out and, and going out to practice and day is when <laughs> you wouldn't let the dogs out, you know, I, I've got my own tea down here at the back of the range and I go there and it was blowing a gale. I'd have five layers of clothes on me, it was so cold and I'd still be hitting balls. I'd be knocking shots down, I was hitting draws, little fades, getting... Because if I can practice in that, then it doesn't make any difference what the weather throws at me. But now back in Portrush with his children, moved back, I think largely for his boys, and enjoying being back in Northern Ireland and playing at his old course of Royal Portrush. And maybe as years were, were going on a little bit, it was almost like, whatever, I'm going to do my best. And um, certainly I was very, very um, accepting at Royal St George. By the beginning of 2011, Clark hadn't won in nearly two and a half years, and at the age of 42, set to play in his 20th Open, it appeared as though Clark's destiny in the Open would not be fulfilled. But in fact, Clark's story had only just begun. Perhaps the stars would align after all. When I got to Royal St George's, I went to the locker, and... and as I found out, there's always a certain area of the locker room reserved for former Open champions. So when I got there on that Monday, when I went to get my locker, I looked around and see Tom Watson's there and uh, Paul Laurie's there. And all the Open champions are all around. I said, what am I doing in here? And as it turns out, Greg Norman had to withdraw due to injury. So Mr Dawson, bless him, decided well, who can we put in there would be the least offensive to all the Open champions? So he stuck me in there. So I was in the champions area of the locker room, but I had no, I didn't realise it until he actually told me during the week. So I walked into the locker room, into my locker, and there was a little note in there from, from Tom Watson, and said, uh, your locker's in the right place. As Clark arrived in Kent, feeling slightly worse for wear, his practice rounds left no indication to any discerning punters that he was about to set the world alight particularly on the greens. The week before, we played the Scottish Open at Castle Stewart, but my ball striking up at Castle Stewart was fantastic. And I sort of lost my way a little bit on that Sunday. I was trying too hard. I knew I was hitting it well. I was trying too hard again. And I lost my way. And then proceeded to have a few uh, beverages. We, there was a plane put on for some of the players going from, from up there down, down to Kent. And proceeded to have a few relaxing drinks with Matt Kutcher and his wife on his on our, on our way down to St George's. So we flew down there that Sunday evening and uh, woke up on the Monday morning, looked outside, oh, the weather's a little bit rough, a little bit of a sore head. Thought, mm, I'm not rushing to the golf course today. So I wandered up there at about, we're just outside the gates, so I wandered up there at about, um, I don't know, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, had a couple of balls. I'm still smarting from the fact that I played poorly on Sunday, the day before, up in Castle Stewart. Um, hit a few balls and didn't even go onto the putting green because I putted poorly all week at Castle Stewart. So I then went out and played on Tuesday with uh, Lee Westwood. The two of us went out to play. Same thing again, hit the ball, went and played, hit the ball, hit the ball, great. Every time I got in the green, picked it up, didn't want to putt because I was missing everything anyway, so I thought there's no point putting. Wednesday morning... Went and played with Rory. Same thing, hitting it great, hitting it great, hitting it great. Onto the greens, picked the ball up. No winters from putting because I'm going to miss it anyway. Played round, we got round to the 11th, and we had two of my good friends, Charles Schwarzel and Louis Eusthausen, are holding us up because they've jumped onto the 10th tee. Hate that because if they want to get up early, go get up early like the rest of us and tee off the first. So I'm shouting at them on the tee because obviously I'm not taking too long because I'm not putting. So, and Rory's trying to keep up with me because he's trying to have a proper practice round, whereas I'm just hitting it. They wave us up, we join up on the 12th. And uh, I said to the two boys, I said, right, we're going to have a match. We might as well join up and play in, because there's nobody behind us and stuff, so we might as well play and we'll have a game. I said, by the way, Rory's my partner. 
because I may look stupid, but I'm not stupid. So if we're playing for money, trying to get money off the South Africans is very difficult, but so I thought I'd give myself the best chance possible. So. And I'm walking up ahead because I still haven't hit a putt for the day, really. And they all shouted at me, Oi, Clark, where's your major? So I said, nothing, just kept up, head down, kept on going, blah, blah, blah. We won, Rory and I won. Um, I've actually got paid from Charles Schwarzel, which was a big deal. Got a little bit of cash, but still I hadn't hit any putts. Although having won earlier in the year, the Dungannon native had little other form to speak of. With his victory in Mallorca, the lone finish higher than 45th in the six months leading up to the Open. But a tweak in Clark's mindset on the greens was just what the doctor ordered. So I said, well, what am I going to What am I going to do? I was speaking to Chubby. What am I going to do? He said, well, why am I going to see Dr. Bob Rotella? Probably the foremost golf psychologist in the game and, and has been for a very, very long time in our sport. He has many books on the subject. Um, I have them all. I've read that many of them. I speak to him frequently. So I went and had a chat with Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob was trying to get me to forget about technique and trying to get me more to react just look and react, that's one of his big mantras, that's what he does, look and react. The last time you have uh, for that, uh, for your subconscious to start talking, telling you nonsense, etc., the last time you have to make mistakes. So, you know, if he's throwing a ball at me, I've got to put my hand up and catch it. So you, anybody, the, from kid or whatever, the, you don't even think how far your hand goes. So he's basically he was trying to get to me, well, why are you thinking how far your backstroke is? Why are you trying to draw it? Why are you trying to just look and react? And that's what he was trying to do. Um, he got me putting with a low wedge on the putting green with one ball. So I stopped thinking about holding it and just hitting some putts with one ball. And um, well, that was fine. I was see a couple of balls going into the hole. So I think, oh, this is not bad. This, this is a pleasant change. The stroke looks so good this week. I start off the next morning, uh, my first round. I think I might have missed the green left on the first. And uh, the putter that I chipped it up to three feet, um, missed it. But I wasn't particularly bothered, which is not like me. <laughs> Usually I get a bit upset. Well, that's not bad. So I don't want to play it, hold a couple of putts. With a mental approach that had evolved over the course of his career and a slightly more freewheeling attitude, Clark was able to immediately bounce back from a missed pot on his first hole of the championship. Second hole. Birdie attempt for Clark. Come on, hold up. Yes, nicely done. Gets that shot back that he dropped at one. A nice birdie at the second hole was followed by a lovely pot at the fourth. Birdie attempt from Clark. And, whoa, how did it get in from over there? Big break at the end. So two birdies, one bogey, one under after four. Clark continued to hold short putts with confidence, including a tricky par putt at the eighth. Clark for the par. Here on the eighth. Good stroke, right in the middle. This is his 20th open, Darren Clark. Before rifling in a bomb on the 10th. Darren Clark now on the 10th. Oh, yes, straight in. That's just wonderfully struck. Absolutely dead centre of the putter to the dead centre of the hole. His first win for, for a while this year. Good stuff from Darren. The guy who knows his way around the links. Clark even had room for another 15-footer on the 14th. Darren Clark for birdie. He's hold three long ones already today. This one, not so long, but true as well. Darren Clark. After missing the green to the right on the 18th, Clark left himself with a difficult up and down to post 68 in round one. Clark then, we saw his second shot just toppling off the right-hand side. Beautifully done, Darren Clark is going to close with a par. Tapping in, lovely round of golf, well played. Played 
played nicely and the weather's not great and well, this is fine. Shoot a decent score. So I come in and you know I'm on the range with Pete Carn and I'm flushing the flush, just ripping every shot that I go like that. And I see Dr. Bob go back over to the pudding and he said, Well how'd you get on? I said, actually not bad. This time you were made a little bit of sense, so just pull it a little bit more over the log wedge. A two under par first round left Clark in the top ten. But as the winds began to pick up on Friday, Clark only improved further, in no short thanks to an outrageous eagle on the par 5 7th hole. Pin of the 70s, 31 centre. Darren Clark at the front of it, so a 90 foot plus for an eagle. He can't, can he? Can't. It's on. Oh, you little devil! Right in the heart of the cut. Darren. Chipping Green yesterday said he was playing some marvellous golf. Just needed to keep a smile on his face. Well, I say you keep a smile on your face. Says he's enjoying himself more than Lynx Golf now because he's staying in Port Rush playing more Lynx Golf. And that was only to be followed by another brilliant birdie on the next hole, the eighth. Darren Clark second to the eighth, playing back away from the sea. From that elevated bit of fairway down. Come up, come up, come up. This could be good. Could be good. Very good from Darren Clark. Another very makeable birdie chance. A fantastic second shot he played to the eighth. Not many players play those low running shots over the ridge in the green to get to four under. He's done it. Eagle birdie for Darren Clark. Taking giant leaps up the leaderboard. One behind. his early practice round this week with Rory McElroy. Tuesday, 8 o'clock, maybe he'll be the star at the end of the week. A couple of bogeys would follow, but Clark again made a superb birdie on the 13th hole. This is for the birdie. Yeah. Oh, well played. What a day he's having. Had a bit of time with his old buddy Bob Rotello, very well-known sports psychologist in America at the start of the week. Don't know exactly what the chat was about, but it seems to have done something for his putting. He's putting really well this week. A short missed putt came at the 16th, but didn't dent his confidence as he played the 18th hole. Now down for his birdie. This for a second successive 68. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. This stroke is so good. Wonderful stuff from Darren Clark. Shot off the lead. And absolutely right in contention. Oh, just imagine. Just imagine what would happen. McDowell wins the US Open. McElroy wins the US Open. Darren wins the Open. Northern Ireland should just retire. Well, it's been an absolutely fascinating day on the second round of the 140th Open Championship. Darren Clark and Lucas Glover will be the last out tomorrow at four under par with a very compact field. Literally, anybody could take this. Well, I played second round. Played quite nice again, doing okay. Nice bad weather, loving it, great. Because a good score is 70-71 is is a good score. Um, so it's fine, so I'm doing okay. I'm feeling very comfortable, very relaxed. On Saturday, the weather was horrendous and it was just the way Clark liked it. A very warm welcome to the third day's play of the 140th Open Golf Championship from Royal St George's in Sandwich in the southeast of England. Yeah, I played with Lucas in the third round. And Lucas is a great guy. I've known Lucas for a long time as well because I've been fortunate enough to have played a lot in America as well. And Lucas is a really genuine, down-to-earth good guy. And Lucas was having a bit of a tough day. And, and I'm hitting shots and little draws, little fades. What I do here in Port Rush was all, and the weather was terrible. And I'm really enjoying this. Looking quite damp already, but that won't bother him, he's used to it. He got off to the perfect start, too. On the tee from Northern Ireland, Darren Clark.
Well, I think that's just about the best shot we've seen into the first today. Beautiful. Couldn't be, could it? Could it? Last man in, 33, the first of the day. Darren Clark takes the lead at five under. What a terrific start. And he's such a momentum player. Lovely tee shot, crisply struck iron and a delightful 12-footer right in the bottom of the cup. But after the first, the pot started to dry up, unlike the weather. Excellent approaches on the second and third weren't rewarded with pots inside of 10 feet. A similar story transpired as Clark reached the fourth hole. Darren second to the fourth. That was a very well-struck iron and oh... Yes, sir. Nestle there. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. This is some of the best uh, ball striking we've seen for <laughs> certainly today. Yes. Well, that was for a three shot lead and for the first birdie of the day at the fourth. He gets neither, but it's still a two shot lead for Darren Clark. Well, Maureen was certainly right there. My word. It might have been, could have been two better than that. That's. Really very disappointing. Now you've got to have a few deep breaths and think about things. A bogey then followed on the fifth with a second consecutive short missed putt. Darren Clark for his par of five. Oh, he's missed a couple. Steady. Oh no, that was quick. Feel that one coming, couldn't you, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. Just what he didn't want. Oh, he's played those five holes beautifully and he's level par for them. Disappointing, but still a good round. The lead is down to one. Clark's tee to green golf was supreme, but despite not capitalising with the putter, he wasn't phased like he may have been earlier in his career. On the Saturday, I probably had as fine a ball striking round as I did at Lytham, if not slightly better. But again, I couldn't put up a hole of putt for love no money. But it didn't bother me. <laughs> I didn't get upset about it at all. I just kept on going. He would remain at even for his day, still at four under for the championship, until the 12th. Now Darren second to 12, just a little pitch. All feel for the distance, not a full shot, and he's got plenty of feel. Well played. Well, this is for the lead on his own, but this putt is going to do its best to escape to the right. Well done, brilliant. Look, that surprised him, I think. He's missed a few early on. But that one was right in the heart. Clark takes the lead. Five under par. Clark's patience was rewarded with a birdie at the 12th, but there would be no more over the next five holes, despite continuing to pepper the pins in difficult conditions. Advantage of eight. Oh, another one slips back. He's played majestically today. I don't know how he puts have just rimmed the hole. Still, there remained one final chance on the 18th. Here we go. This for a three. This to go to six under par. Despite a tough day on the greens, Clark shot a 69 and held a one-stroke lead over Dustin Johnson heading into Sunday at five under par, with just four other players under par for the championship. Could this be Darren's best and even last chance, 20 years after competing in his first Open? He certainly wasn't nervous about the possibility. Come off the golf course on Saturday. I go in and see the media, and I'm sitting in there, and one of the guys puts around, do, do you think you can win this? I said, yes. <laughs> I said, of course I think I can win this. This is what I practice for, this is what I play for. And I think some of them were actually quite taken aback that a 42-year-old guy was leading the Open thinking that he could win it, because there hasn't been too many winners of majors in, in their 40s. 
Darren today trying to become the oldest player to win the Open Championships since Roberto Di Vicenzo back in 1967 when Roberto was 44 years old. There was, there, was, there was probably about a moment where I thought, right, you've got yourself this position. This is the biggest and best tournament in the world. I really want to win this. But I knew with how my attitude had been all week that that was not what I needed to be thinking going to the first tee. Always obliging. Big Darren, Bob Rotella there, sports psychologist on his right. Thinking about out outcome never benefits anybody. Uh, outcome is a consequence of, of what happens. And... Um, if I was in control of what I was trying to do, the best of my ability, each and every shot, then hopefully the outcome would take care of itself. And, and Dr. Bob and I had a chat on that pulling ring before I walked over there, and that's, that's how we left. I said, if I can just keep this attitude going, um, the result is irrelevant. And at the end of the day, if you do your best, that's all you can do, because it doesn't make any difference how hard you try, because you're going to get some funny bounces, and if you do your best, you're, you're going to walk off with, uh, accepting what the outcome was. And I remember walking to that first day, and I've got all these people shouting and roaring and stuff, and um, I was unbelievably calm. I went out and I played, and I was probably as calm and relaxed as I have ever been in my whole career in that last round of the Open. Gladiators entering the arena. Say so he, he looks very much in, in control of the situation. Getting started on Sunday, Clark found the first green in two, but left himself a lot of work to do after a tentative first putt. Ooh, not what we wanted. Again, however, he was up to the task. really is a set, better than an Alka-Seltzer, a real settler. And shortly after, the 42-year-old made a forward movement with a birdie on the second. Second shot of Clark, now we've seen a lot close here today. This one's also in a little bowl. Isn't he striking the ball well? Full of confidence. Now, Clark, he's got four and a half feet here. A bogey dropped Clark back to even for the day on the fourth, however. And suddenly, Clark was tied with Phil Mickelson, who had come charging through the field. And he will ride along in a wave of support based on goodwill. He's about... A dozen shots clear, in fact tied with Mickelson, but playing well, nothing too much to worry him or trouble him at the moment. Well, the crowds were wonderfully supportive to me all week. I mean, they really were. Any, they've always been supportive of me at the Open Champion, Championship. Maybe they see me as a guy they want to go and have a pint with or, or whatever, just your ordinary normal bloke. And, you know, they've always been very, very kind to me. But that, that week, you know, when I was gathering a bit of momentum, they were getting more and more and more and more behind me. You know, it was almost a case of I wonder when it as much for them as I did I did for myself, just to repay them all the support that they given me all over all over the years. But then came one of the moments of the championship on the seventh. Now Clark, gotta get this on. It's a must birdie hole. Perfect. Up the right side and that's a little gym. Go on, get up the slope. Driven down the right, then you can use the right contours. You've got to flirt with the front right bunker. That was another glorious iron shot. Darren for an eagle, for an eagle, a runaway ball, runaway ball. Yes, the second eagle of the week at number seven. Big D's two ahead. So difficult to get the line just right and the pace, and this was Touch City. Beautiful, beautiful putt. Now with the lead. Clark had a moment of luck with his approach on the ninth hole. Perhaps this was to be his day after all. 
as we were in the middle of the ride, I got a couple of good breaks, went my way on the Sunday, one of them on, on uh, nine jumping over the bunker. But the, instead of looking at it from a point of view, well, I've got lucky there, I thought, well, of course, she's just given me a couple back because I should have been a lot better off from yesterday. Yeah, very awkward stance for Darren Clark. Severe downslope feet above the ball. 179 yards, going to come out low. Have to land this one a long way short of the green. Try and chase it up there. Not that low. Down bunker. Oh, it hopped over it. Oh, oh, oh. oh look wow. at this now. Oh, boy. I don't know how it cleared it. <laughs> Nor does he. And frankly, who cares? You need that in major championships if you're to win. Irish eyes are smiling, aren't they? One big hit. Well, it hit on the upslope, which sent it propelling way up into the sky and up and over the lip of that bunker. Good for Darren Clark. And as Clark continued to make excellent pars, including a great short putt on the 11th. That was a big putt. Almost nerveless. Beautiful stroke. Both his nearest rivals in Mickelson and Dustin Johnson faltered. Suddenly, after making par on the 15th, Clark had the championship in both hands. The only time I looked at the scoreboard, I heard the roars from what Phil was doing. He was making eagles and birdies for fun. I heard the roars, but they didn't mean anything. It was the first time I looked at the leaderboard all day. I didn't look at the leaderboard. And then I looked at, um, maybe it might have been behind 15 grade, I looked at the leaderboard. I thought, right, Dan, don't mess up now. I was 16th here, I thought, right, don't do what my good friend Thomas Bjorn did. Don't hit it in that right-hand bunker. Just keep it left, anywhere left. Get it on the green. Hit it left. There's three holes left, but remember, Thomas Bjorn was three ahead in this position. On this very hole. Yeah. Looks to be heading for the centre of the green, and it is. Well, it looks ridiculously easy at the moment. But I've got a four-shot lead with two holes to play. I thought, just keep this up the right and do this. And I hadn't been thinking about anything at all all day until I looked at the leaderboard. Because if you've got a four-shot lead with the open with two holes to play, you don't want to do anything too stupid. So um, I get in the 17th and get a nice drive up the right. In a good second shot, trying to hook it in there, used the wind a little bit, but it got up to something, came back down, pulled it up to about four feet, five feet. Missed it. Looks a very good pace. He's got the touch and speed of these down to a tee. That was a long putt up the slope. He's going up now. Must be all the four feet. First one I think he's missed for a long, long time. It wasn't really bothered, so I got a three-shot lead nice on the last tee. And if there was ever a scenario where I was going to be nervous, that should have been it. Now, Clark, one good straight hit. Down to the tee and striding away. And although it didn't run far, that's a lovely, lovely drive. Didn't bother me, hit my driver straight down the middle of the fairway. So then the, the reality of what's about to happen sort of sinks in. But I know I've got four or five putts from just off the left end of the green, so I think I can manage it at that stage. So, um, you know, it was a very, very spe special walk. To, to walk down the last hole in the Open Championship with a lead like that, um, Knowing before I get onto the green that I've basically that I've won the biggest and best tournament in the world, and all the crowd shouting at me and and, and shouting my name and, and clapping for me, etc., etc., was was just something that I don't know, from I had all sorts of memories go through my, my head was walking up that last thing. You know the appreciation for the crowds, um, maybe a lot of them knowing what I've come through and their appreciation and their support for me because of it. Um, but to walk up there knowing that I'm about to achieve my lifelong goal, my lifelong dream, you can't really put it into words, it's just, it's the ultimate. 
just doesn't get any better. And I defied the odds, I defied the critics, and I proved myself right. But the man of the moment, here he is, Darren Clark. Toes curl up, don't it? Looks good. Oh, it <laughs> Open champion, congratulations, Darren Clark. In 1947, Fred Daly was the last man for Northern Ireland to win. Wow, fantastic, Darren. A walk to savour with a victory that was a lifetime in the making. What had once appeared an odds-on bet for Clark to win golf's original major had become unlikely to the tune of 150 to 1 in pre-championship betting. But Clark's belief in himself never wavered, and in the end, his destiny was fulfilled. After, it was obviously a bit of mayhem, a bit of chaos after, after uh, I'd won. My parents were both behind, my mum and dad were behind the 18th green, as was my wife Alison. And to walk off them and see, to see them right after walking off the 18th green was, was, was wonderful. And then and to make sure I didn't make a mess of my card did all that. Then I had a few TV things to do, interviews before the presentation. And then I've got to make my speech and I'm trying to find a way in my speech of, of mentioning Heather without offending Alison. Because that's been a very difficult scenario. Albeit Alison's a wonderful leader and she, she understands. But still at the same time it's one of the biggest moments of, of, of my career. And it would have been very remiss of me not to mention Heather especially with all the support that I had from the crowds. Ladies and gentlemen, please forgive me if I miss a couple of people out here, but uh, I've tried for 20 years to make this speech and nobody's managed to do it now, so I'll probably forget a, forget a few. But it's been a long and bumpy road. I've had good things happen to me, bad things happen to me, but my game and my head were always sort of this way. Sometimes it was good, sometimes it was bad. But I've had so much support from an awful lot of people that I need to thank them for me standing here in front of you being able to speak. More my mum and dad and uh, my whole family and Alison, my fiance, um, for all their never-ending support. And um, to some of you um, who may know, um, there's somebody up there watching down as well. So to everybody, thank you very much. So I managed to get it in in a, in a reasonable way, I thought. And thanked everybody. I, I, I didn't think I forgot anybody, but I thanked everybody. One man that I need to say a very big thanks to, and that's Chubby Chandler. You've probably seen him on the TV a little bit recently. He's the big guy that takes up most of the screen. But to Chubby, thanks. I just can't thank you enough for everything that you've done for me through thick and thin. Thank you. To the support that I've had this past four days, I really can't thank you enough. What you've shown me, the support for me, the roaring, has helped me to stand here. So to you all, thank you so, so much from the bottom of my heart for all your support. Thank you. The Open was Darren Clark's last win on the main tours, having since found great success in the senior ranks. With 24 professional wins and occupying a spot as one of the world's best players at the turn of the millennium, Clark has had a fine innings in golf. But as he neared what appeared to be the twilight of his time at the Open, he achieved his ultimate goal, 
the one goal he wanted more than any other in the game. He heard his name, followed by the words Champion Golfer of the Year. His legacy secured. And with a score of 275, the winner of the gold medal and the Champion Golfer of the Year is Darren Clark. Champion Golfer of the Year, 275 strokes is Darren Clark. It's a very nice statement coming from Peter Dawson. It's something, if we go all the way back to the start, this is something that you dream of. And, and it's, it's, it, you're used to, and the winner of the Irish Open, or the winner of the British Masters, or the winner of the Spanish Open, or blah, blah, blah. but Champion Golfer of the Year, it's, it's, it's pretty special. It's very special. I am immensely proud that my name is not Clark Joke. Having my name on there with some of the some of the greats that have ever played the game just goes to show that all the years of battling on, I got there in the end. With thanks to Darren Clark. Narrated by me, Shane O'Donoghue. Written, produced and edited by Chris Lewis. Executive produced by Paul Sutcliffe. Additional support from Chris Devine. Want to keep up to date with the latest news on the Open Podcasts, as well as enjoying films, articles, quizzes and much more? Get the Open app today to experience the greatest stories in golf all year round. This has been an original audio production from The Open.